Welcome to Peppershock Media's Marketing Expedition Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in marketing and advertising. Now, here's your host, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and founder of the Marketing Expedition community. And today I have a very special treat. I have somebody that likes to wear different colored glasses just like I do. <laughs> Eric Qualman, he's the number one best-selling author and keynote speaker and has performed over 55 countries and reached 35 million people. He was voted the second most likable author in the world <laughs> behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. That's awesome. <laughs> and he is the host of the popular Super U podcast, and his work has been used by the National Guard to NBC Universal Studios to NASA. Welcome to the show, Eric. All right. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And I, I have to just share a little bit about how we first met, right? We were uh, in Portland, and I was attending Alchemy with EO uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. And you were the keynote speaker there and talked all kinds of good things about uh, social nomics and just, you know, all the things that you do. And then afterwards, um, we got a picture because we both wear glasses of a different color. Yeah? No. Yeah. And we're, we're just talking. It's 2020. So we got yes. the vision, vision of the future. Yes. Let's, move, let's move into it. I'm excited to connect with your listeners and I'm excited and no to more no more hindsight is 2020 I do not want to look back at this year but <laughs> we will look forward for sure but no just tell tell people a little bit about why the green glasses I know it's it's a fascinating story I want to hear I want our listeners to understand why you like to wear your green glasses yeah no, I know I'm a big believer things happen for you not to you and so with a name like Eric Qualman first initial last name I've just been equal man my yes. entire life and I didn't like it for 15 years. And so I'm telling you this because my movie is the same as your movie. We're just different actors and actresses. And so hopefully you can take something from this to step into your story as an entrepreneur or just as a person to step into your story. So as Equal Man, I didn't like it because people make fun of you. Uh, right. But one of the Like books, Superman or yeah, yeah. Hey, know, superhero. Man, so you yeah. can get the coffee. He must be fast. And then yeah. uh, I was fortunate one of the books, I think it was Digital Leader was doing well. And then they wanted to do a photo shoot for the magazine cover. And they said, hey, because of your moniker, because it's equalman.com and my email address is equalman, they said, why don't you, can we wear some Clark Kent-like glass? I go, cool. And they go, it's our St. Patrick's issue, day issue. Do you mind if they're bright green? I go, let's rock it. I don't think much of it. I fly to Kenya to give a talk a couple weeks later. And the night before I'm going to give the speech, I uh, go to adopt a baby cheetah at a rescue shelter. And so not to take home with me, my wife would kill me and my daughters would have loved it, but, <laughs> oh, yeah. but just to adopt a cheetah. And, and anyways, the lady that's with me on the way over goes, hey, the litter you're gonna adopt from, we had Usain Bolt, the Olympian here a couple of days ago, and, and he adopted from the same litter that you're about to adopt from. We took video of Bolt, we'd love to take some video of you and package it together and raise money for our shelter. I go, that's something great, let's do it. And then she pauses and looks at me and goes, but obviously when we film, we want to make sure you have your green glasses on. <laughs> I looked at her and I go, I don't wear those things around all the time. That was just for that magazine shoot. And she looked at me and I, I don't want to see that look again. Cause she just goes, no, everyone in Kenya. That's like, that's what they think you look like. So they kind of stuck and, yeah. and I'd like to say that we did lose some business because of it. Cause people are like, why do you, we don't want this guy. He seems out there with the green glasses, but we've gained a lot more business because of it. And I tell you that yeah. long story because not only is my 
cheetah much faster than Usain Bolt's cheetah. But I tell that long story because I want everyone to step into their story. And it is uncomfortable at first. But once you step fully into your story, it's the most comfortable place that you can be. And it's good for business. I, it's good for branding, right? Yeah, it's great for branding. Mm-hmm. So, it's so good. and I then mean, people just know who you are from from the green glasses, right? And and I, I always get orange glasses for me because our brand is orange, and so I like to wear orange, and, and it means fresh and renew. So I think uh, it's definitely good for business. And you know, for me, I can't wear contacts anyway, so it works. It works totally. <laughs> it's been great because we just did a thing with Disney, and they just bought thousands of glasses for their cast members and so there's stuff you wouldn't even think of that's why i say things happen for you not to you so here's a thing that i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm equal man so it's like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm equal man and like stepping into it and then all of a sudden you're like now we're in the business of producing glasses which is fascinating to me yeah. Hey, it, it works for you for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit, like you say, things happen for you. Some of the things that have happened, the books that you've written, the, the best-selling author, and the fact that you are, you know, voted second most likable author. Tell me about your journey. Like what made you decide to write the first book that you did? And just kind of tell me about your path. Yeah. First of all, I always say distant second place to JK Rowling or Rowling, depending on what part of the world you're in. But Essentially, I wrote the book a little out of frustration because socialnomics came out when people thought that social media was just for teenagers. So just set the scene. MySpace yeah. was the dominant player and <laughs> Facebook. Fortunately, we got that, I got that right in the book. I said Facebook would overtake MySpace. There's other stuff I got completely wrong. When new media was you know, new at the time, right? New right, media. <laughs> right. And so most people thought it was just for teenagers. At the time, I was the head of marketing at TravelZoo. And I was speaking primarily about search because we bought $25 million worth of search, which at the time that was a lot. Like that right. was like one of the yeah. biggest buyers of search. So people want to know how do we do paid and organic search? So at these search conferences, as the head of marketing at TravelZoo, I actually started talking about social media and people thought I was crazy. And the, the crowds got smaller and smaller. And then a buddy of mine that had a published book says, I know a lot of people think you're crazy talking about social media, especially during it's the search area era in conference, but go talk to my publisher. And then the short story is the rest is history. So I wrote socialnomics. Fortunately, it was the right place at the right time. Just telling people this will change the way everything works, politics, government, business, how we communicate. And so it was the right place, right time. Yeah, no, and it definitely has changed everything. And and then when did you start doing the videos every year with the different statistics that are out there? Because the, I've been watching those for years, but I'm just trying to kind of place when when you started doing that. Yeah, it was about 20. It's almost the 10 year anniversary. It's about 2010. So it's like the wow. 10 year anniversary in the video, Social Media Revolution. For those listeners, it says like right here, right now, because we are like, oh, I know those videos yeah. once you say the song. Uh, but I made that primarily. I'd give an hour talk about social and people were kind of like, ah, it's pretty good. And then, but I wasn't hitting them over the head. Like they weren't taking action. So I got, I got scared of these people. Like they don't understand like how big yeah. this revolution is. And so that's why we came up with that video. And then lo and behold, it goes massively viral because people like yourself and others go, this yeah. is what I needed to kind of explain this in three minutes to get people to do something. And so it's been fun and it's been kind of a, 
it's been a nice pain. It's a first world problem. We have to update the thing all the time. But it's, right, yeah, yeah, it's a good problem to have, right? Well, I, you said here, you know, that you've reached 35 million people. I'm sure that some of those people are ones that I force them to watch the video every year because I play it at our event. We have new marketing trends for the new year that we do, and I love having people see it. You know, especially like one of the stats is uh, the eight second uh, for you know goldfish can only have an attention span of of eight seconds, but humans only, I don't even know. You tell me, what was that stat now? <laughs> yeah, the attention span of a goldfish is eight seconds and a human being seven seconds. It used to be 12, but because of all these digital tools, it's now seven seconds. And uh, yeah. no, but thanks for showing the video. I mean, it's been, yeah. I'm glad it's been just a wonderful ride. So I'm glad it's been helpful. And again, I know you have a lot of listeners that are dealing with marketing. Yeah. It's almost common practice now, but at the time when we did the video, I remember the publisher going to me, why are you doing this video? I mean, it's not going to sell any books. You don't have the book in there. You don't have your name in there. Right. And I go, yeah, because I'm prov providing value. Like, have you yeah. read Socialnomics? Like, I asked yeah. them, like, have you read it? And, uh, yeah. and so it's a lot of times you give away stuff for free because your question should be not how do I make money or how am I successful? Your question should be how do I help? And when right. you do that, all those other things happen. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that every time the video plays, I mean, and I've always plugged it at the end and, and you know, he's talk about the books that you've written and things that they've done. So I'm sure that at least it could uh, have a side effect or residual effect of being able to get your book sold to by providing value. I think that's great for sure. But speaking of books, so tell me fast forward your, your next project. What's going on now? Yeah, so we just came out with the book, The Focus Project. We actually launched it a couple months earlier because people are reaching out to me saying, hey, I'm physically okay with the pandemic. I don't have uh -huh. coronavirus, but mentally my friend is really struggling. And it'd be helpful if you came out. I know your book's coming out on Focus in a couple months, but can you move it forward, which is unheard of, but we're able to move the book forward to get it out there. It's unheard of because it actually hurts sales. Uh, uh, but we said, who cares? Let's provide value. People are struggling mentally. Let's get it in their hands. And so the short answer of the book, it's almost an anti-venom to socialnomics because socialnomics was, hey, this thing's coming, get into it. Right. And then I was like, whoa. All right, you guys are like way too far into your phones. Like you need <laughs> to take a step back, balance this out. And so the focus project is how to focus in this unfocused world. And it's something that I was yeah. struggling with that I realized that school teachers, CEOs, small businesses, everyone was struggling with how do they basically, this commodity time, how do I focus on the important versus the immediate? How do I focus on mm -hmm. being big versus being busy? And mm -hmm. so I was struggling with it. So I wanted a resource to help me and I want to put myself through the project to test stuff and yeah. then marry that industry science with my street science, like me being the guinea pig because I thought it'd be really helpful, especially for small business owners and, and a lot of people, but just how do I deal with this? And now the pandemic hits. So not throws gasoline oh, on, oh my gosh, I got homeschooling. I'm now working yes. virtually. I got to order everything online, including my groceries. Where's my focus? Yeah. And then now it's the battle of the broadband because I, you know, my kids are, are doing their live meets with their teachers and, you know, I'm trying to record and do things. And it's so true. And, and you're right. I mean, now even more, they're on the screens and so am I. Right. And so, yeah, I can see that this is definitely a struggle and being able to, to focus, like you said, on the things that, that matter and not always just being buried in a screen. Yeah. yeah so I'm how, how, 
try to prevent people from coming zombies, you know, not zombies, a zombie, yeah. but like a zombie. And so <laughs> yeah. it's technology. I'm the biggest tech guy there is, but right. it doesn't replace the face-to-face. It doesn't mm-hmm. replace in person. And so it's that combination. It's the marriage of the two. And so that's really the impetus behind the book was written before the pandemic because we we're mm-hmm. already running with our hair on fire at the yeah. end of each day. Like, oh my gosh, I'm on the treadmill again, running a million miles an hour. Am I getting anywhere? Right. And then the pandemic hits and it throws gasoline on that. So that's why we moved it forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you did for sure. I'm looking forward to reading it when I get a chance and it's yeah. definitely going to be there for me to look at that. So, uh, okay. Now that you are doing most of the time you are keynote speaking or you're traveling or you're doing those things, how has it changed what you're doing now? I mean, are you able to go and keynote speak anymore? Or are you kind of just doing a lot of the zoom calls or what's your life right now? Absolutely zero keynoting in person. So the live industry went down. And so for those not familiar with it, essentially at these large conferences, they hire a musician, a comedian, or an industry expert. So I'm an industry expert. So if you think about like, they'll bring in like myself, a Simon Sinek, a Malcolm Gladwell. Sometimes they bring in a musician on top of that. But all live conferences are dead, done, zero across the world. And it's going to so change overnight. that. I mean, for, yeah. for moving forward too, it's going to be completely different, I think. Yeah. I agree. And so basically it goes to zero. Uh, <laughs> fortunately for us, since I own an animation studio, small one, we own a yeah. small animation studio that we've done work with IBM, Cartier, Disney, blah, blah, blah. But very yeah. small boutique, but we're better positioned than most speakers because we've done this before. Yeah. Um, that being said, the whole industry has to shift. Right. Uh, but the short answer is we're doing a lot of virtual stuff and there's a lot of benefits to the virtual component. There's a lot of stuff that I miss a ton about the live events, but we've had to innovate. So we're going deeper on the animation piece. So again, we're doing more animation stuff. And also obviously I'm speaking virtually a lot more, but it's forced us to innovate, which is good because that's what I talk about on stage. I'm kind of able to drink my own champagne that as digital leaders, it's not a question on if we're going to transform, it's how well we're going to do it. And it's mm-hmm. constant. It's not a one-time thing. You always have to be transforming. Are you finding that um, businesses now seem they're having maybe some difficulty in spending more money or spending the same amount of money that they did before? Are you seeing any shift in how your clients are spending money with you? Yeah, I mean, a live event is, for my keynote rate, it's mm-hmm. twice as expensive to have me in person because you got to fly you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things, there's logistics. Mainly I have to physically be there, which right. is cost. Yeah. Not the physical flight itself, that has a cost, but it's really just a speaker's time or an entertainer's mm-hmm. time, however you want to view it. Mm-hmm. So the virtual is, pays a lot less, which is good right. for the company. They don't have to put on this huge conference. So they had a mm-hmm. huge budget that saves them a lot of money to do it yeah. virtually. Right. And, but there's benefits to us as well. I don't have to get on a flight. I can yeah. do four keynotes in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really an interesting facet. Or you speak a lot. Now you're competing against a bigger subset because all speakers are available. Before, yeah. let's say they go, we want Malcolm Gladwell. And our number two choice is Eric Quammen. Or we want Brene Brown. Our number two choice is Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Well, Brene and Malcolm might be booked for that date. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, well, Eric's available on that date. Now, Mm -hmm. Brene and Malcolm are always available. Right. And so, because they can just back to back to back do it. So it's been a fascinating thing. There's, there's pluses and minuses to everything, but 
-hmm. There's a lot of innovation. So I like it. It's fun. And you have kids, so you get to stay and be there and do things with them, right? Yeah, it's awesome. And they went to school, they were virtually, but now they're back in for a half day. So that's been fun for me to watch and help the school district as well on. So that's been great. It's been, uh, that's been a wild ride. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hopefully my kids will go back soon. <laughs> I never thought I would hear my kids say, I want to go to school. <laughs> they do. No, my kids were excited to go and they yeah. go, oh, I wish it was all day today because they had so much fun. So that's why I'm always a Flintstones Jetsons guy. Like I said, I'm a huge tech guy, but I'm always Flintstones yeah. first, then Jetsons, marry the two. Yeah. And you can see it <laughs> firsthand with a, a younger generation. It's just something in our, it's that oxytocin transfer you get from yeah. being around people. Yeah, no, I definitely love being around people. And it's been hard for people to isolate or be self-isolated, I think, just because of that reason, you know? Hugs, right? I miss hugs. Yeah, yeah hugs, I mean, <laughs> So if you hug someone, there's, you get the, what's called the feel good hormone, which yeah. oxytocin, oxytocin. Yeah. So there's a transfer that when you hug someone, so there's actually biology that's being affected by this. Yeah. Yeah. And like maybe comedians can kind of somewhat make you laugh, which is good, but hugs just can't replace, be replaced from just touching and like holding somebody for 20 seconds, right? It can release that and, and make it so that it feels, it has that natural high, like you said. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a long hug. <laughs> That's right. I know, right? Awkward. Uh, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your background. I want to know just kind of, you know, where you came, where where you live, where you, um, you know, what your history is and kind of your path to where you are now. Yeah, so I grew up in Detroit. And then that's a car automotive heavy town, right? Yeah. So everyone's going to work somehow in the automotive business. And so my first job was an intern with Cadillac. And during my uh -huh. internship, they needed a thing called a website, brand new. <laughs> so they go, you're young. We need a website. And right. then back then it was just straight HTML. So it's pretty easy. You don't have to be very technical on the coding. So we got, they're like, get the site up. So I love, fell in love with tech. I've been in the tech space forever. I worked at Yahoo back when they were the Facebook of the day. As mentioned, I worked at AT&T trying to get their online ordering capabilities. So big and small companies because TravelZoo, head of marketing at TravelZoo, we took that company from, you know, we went public and, and right. did quite well. Yeah. But then we wrote the book Socialnomics. And then I actually have a tendency to mumble in my interpersonal communication skills, even to this day. Yeah. So I was always taking toes because my friends, like I played basketball in college. And so my mm -hmm. teammates would make fun of me and you know, all my body, this good natured, but there's a little bit of you're like, man, I got to work on this. I so, I'm, can be very, <laughs> I can relate to you very much. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I can do the same thing, but you know, I always tell, I have, I have students I'm teaching uh, as an adjunct professor. I'm like, if I can get up here and talk to you and do this, anybody can. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's, it's crazy. You got to work on that. I do. You just got to work on it. I mean, you look at Barbara Walters, if you look at Lou Holtz, if you look at Bill Walton, all have speech impediments and their, their job is to broadcast every day. Right. Communicate. And yeah. So I was like, all right, let me take some of these Toastmaster classes, not thinking this would ever lead. This is basically just so I could talk with my friends. Right. And when I was ahead of, ahead of Margaret at Travels, the owner is German. And so just baptism by fire, his main language is German. So I had to deal with Wall Street, the press, 
And then so when the book Socialnomics came out and I gave a talk on it, someone in the audience came up to me and said, I don't know what you do full time for a living, but you should be speaking on stage for a living. I go, you can do that like for a living? And then, <laughs> you get paid for it? <laughs> yeah, he goes, yeah. And then so, and I always tell entrepreneurs, I go, there's a lot of talking heads out there. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you'd never work for anybody else. If you're an entrepreneur, you just do it right now. And that's not true. I can give you example after example, like Warby Parker guys, they didn't start right away. They kind of did a side hustle. And then for me, it was the same. So I would literally at the time after travels, I was the head of this global like digital division at this huge company. And uh, I would take a day off to fly to Buenos Aires to talk and then come back to manage my team. And so we did that for a couple of years. And then yeah. I was able to work something out with there's a privately held company, but it's big. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I reported the owner. So long story longer, they're able to figure something out. So I did that over a course of three to four years. So I always tell people, everyone has their own path. Like, right. it's not that you hear someone, they do it because it's a hot take. They'll say, don't go to school, just do your thing. That's not true. Do you, you know, do what's best for you. And sometimes it is a side hustle or straddle for mm-hmm. a couple of years and then you go full on it. I can relate to that too. When Drew and I started the business, we were working for other companies and then slowly progressed through to then get Pepper Shock up and running. And, and it does, I, I think a lot of people do that. They have to do it as a side hustle, then it becomes something more. Yeah, no, I can see how that is your path. And I think that's great. I think that uh, you got to do something, you understood what your calling was, and then could make it happen. So very cool. Very cool. And I'm asking you a question just because I'm interested because it's like (laughs) you took the jump, you're, you took the jump, you're willing to step into that discomfort, you got the orange glasses, you're like, hey, we're gonna, (laughs) we're gonna start this thing. So we talk about in the book about the four spirit animals of focus that all of us kind of major in one minor or another, but I, I want to know what you major in. These are the four animals. So there's the hedgehog. The hedgehog is their focus is if they want to write a book, they're like, I need to get a PhD in writing before I do it. Kind of like they want to put the armor on before they get into the arena. And huh. so they kind of procrastinate a little bit, but they just want to make sure that they're, They've got what they need. Then there's the chameleon. The chameleon is a people pleaser, which is really good. They're looking out for other people. They're basically saying, well, I'm doing this job because, you know, my mom wants me in it, or I'm doing this job because I got to send the kids to college or I got a a baby at home. I got to afford to be able to do that for them. So I'm just going to adjust to what society thinks that I should be doing. Um, And then there's the army ant. The army ant takes on, an army ant can basically carry 10,000 times their weight, but that doesn't mean they should because they get back to the anthill. They can't get everything down in the anthill. Basically, you parallel process a lot of things at once because you can handle it, but it takes you longer to get those things done. You should have just focused on one thing at a time. That's army ant. Then last but not least, you have the squirrel uh, and the squirrel is just, and they're really good at sales and innovation because they're like, they want to move on to the next thing right away. They're like, that's shiny. Let me do it. That's shiny. Let me do it. And so all of them are good. You should see him pointing at me. (laughs) Are you a squirrel? Squirrel! (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) But it's a strength. It's your strength. It's your greatest strength. It's also your greatest weakness. And so it's just understanding that, that that's what your wrestle is with focus. Right. Is that you might surround yourself with people that are, that can, they're more operational, that you're going to, this is what, and then when I have a tough time focusing, I'm speaking for you, then you just, yeah. you just kind of go, okay, I know this is my tendency. So I'm going to, 
that thing's so good. So I'm going to like put a little over there, but I'm not going to go all in because I got to finish this thing. Yeah, no, I absolutely do that every day of my life. <laughs> I do have to remind myself and refocus and just stay where, you know, on that path that I need to, in order to get something done. But yeah, I am definitely an ideator and I, uh, strength finders right ideation woo command i say command not demand <laughs> but yeah no definitely uh i can see that so, so which one which one are you then eric i major army ant and then minor and squirrel so i i try to take on all this stuff and that's where i've gotten better since the project yeah like i would look and i couldn't believe it like i have this science fiction book that's written but i haven't taken it to market i go oh my gosh that thing's 10 years old <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and so you have that processing where you got to just put your brain on one thing and just crush it and yep. just get it through it and then get it out the door rather than let those things linger. In yeah, parallel no, process, I, take one thing at a time. <laughs> got to yeah. get it done. I've started writing a book and it's got to get done. I am ready yeah. to get this done. Now I just have to focus, right? You said, yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to look forward to reading your book and reading about, you know, what I can do to unsquirrel myself. <laughs> 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 take the squirrel out of me. <laughs> and then now what about this? How about this one? So there's power hours. So all of us, we need to use our power hour to not answer email. We need to focus on that one thing that's gonna make everything else either easy or unnecessary. So all of us have a power hour, it's basically an hour after we normally would naturally get up. So there's three types of birds, like tell I'm big in the ant, this guy like that, this guy's really yeah. in animals. But, so you're either a robin, an eagle, or an owl. So if you were to wake up on a Saturday, you have nothing planned, the alarm is not set. What time would you naturally wake up? Oh, probably nine o'clock in the morning. Okay, I, I'm nine. a so night owl. <laughs> okay, so you're an eagle, actually. Ah. So if, if you're seven to 10, if you naturally wake up between seven and 10, then you're an, an eagle. Anything yeah. after 10, you're a night owl. Most people are eagles. And so if you yeah. naturally woke up at nine, then your power hour is 10, 10 okay. to 11. Does that hold true for you? Like you feel like you're in the zone 10 to 11? Yeah, like after I get going and get my coffee and, you know, get some breakfast in me, then yeah, I think that could be true. Yeah. Nice. No, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah. your golden hour. So you try to protect that as much as possible so you can crush the most strategic thing you have to crush. At 10 o'clock in the morning. I think that's probably a good call. <laughs> <laughs> we do our daily huddles at 10 a.m. So at least I'm, I'm talking with the team, you know, for 15 minutes. So yep. that's, that gets, gets us going and, you know, <laughs> what we're working on and now we're going to go to it. So excellent. Huh. Okay. So a squirrel and an eagle. <laughs> uh oh. The, the so eagle you can, can eat yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, now I've heard of like, you know, early bird and, and night owl, those types of things. And I've always been, and, and it really kind of stems from, I used to work in news. And so in, in Seattle, news comes on at 11 o'clock at night. And so you just have this natural time that you have to come off, you know, the, the natural high of being live, um, you know, and doing intense things for, you know, an hour. And then it, it takes, so I, I've always been able to uh, stay up pretty late and then <laughs> not be that morning person. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's when you ask your students, because I do this when I, I was just with Northwestern this week, and you ask them, they'll index higher on being night owls because it's just biology also plays into it. Like a yeah. high school student, a college student's naturally going to sleep in later and mm -hmm. stay up later. So over time, people adjust. But it's interesting if you look at the data like a Jeff yeah. Bezos, a Mary Barra, we've got a whole list in the book 
that yeah. most of them, they get up at like Tim Cook is up like at four o'clock. I mean, some of these people Ugh. get up at 3.30. They want to get up before the day, before the world's up. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I want to do things at night when everyone else is already off to bed and right. like no kids, no, you know, no distractions. And yep. then I can do more, but you're right. And there's um, a lot of creatives like you that are in that nine to 11 range. A lot of creative people. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm going to have to ask my staff what, what they would do. That's a good question for sure. Okay, so because this is a marketing expedition podcast and and video here, um, and I always like to ask people what kinds of things they do to market their business and what kind of things help you, you know, book speaking gigs or sell your book or you know in your your animation studio. Like, tell me some of the things that you do to help market aside from the glasses because I think that's great. But tell me some more things. What do you like to do to help get the word out there about you? I think first you got to start with your core message and you got to go to your base. Like what's your why and not your Simon Sinek why that obviously matters, but it's like WHI, what's your mission? So what's the mission? How do you mm -hmm. differ from the competition? And then if you went away tomorrow, what's the loss to society? Uh, and like make that. sure you're communicating that at, at nauseum. Like Bob Iger, his staff would get sick of him saying the same things in every meeting. But then after a while, they realized the genius of it when they heard it being parroted by cast members. Bob Iger is the CEO, well, former CEO of Disney, now he's the chairman. But then yeah. he starts hearing like his three core tenants being parroted by the cast members. And so it, it's before you get in the messaging, you always have to go back to that core. Because I've gone into companies, both large and small, and only 9% can answer those three questions accurately. Right. And when you think about social nomics, all that means is word of mouth on digital steroids. And so for every listener, their best customers, clients, if they're B2B, stakeholders all come from word of mouth. And now that word of mouth's on digital steroids, meaning that you're basically handing the keys over a little bit of your brand to your customers more than ever. And if you're not on the same page, then your customer has no chance to propagate your message remotely close to how you want that to be propagated. So it's really about always getting back to that core and making it simple. Like you're going to these big companies they got like six things on the wall that i go Z, how are you gonna memorize that like right just like simplify it like ours is just like have fun help people <laughs> and then yep. it's like okay then what's your mission our mission's to empower seven billion people and then how do you differentiate yourself well we're edutainers mm -hmm. we think you have to entertain in order to lead that education we're different because we have that capability to edutain and then if you went away tomorrow, what's the loss of society? Well, the person can't lead their best life. They're not empowered to lead their best life. And so it's really about that simplification at the core level. And then once you take that up a step, then when you go out there to market, we always go back to that word of mouth on digital steroids. So that's a lot of that's hand-to-hand -hand combat that doesn't mm -hmm. scale. So it's like, then you start off with the unscalable, then you figure out how to scale it. So meaning that you always test something like hand-to-hand -hand, to where you're like emailing people till late in the night if you want or early in the morning and then figure out, okay, this works. Now let's scale it rather than sitting in a room going, we think this will work right. and scale it up and then launch it, you know, just kind of do it manually and then iterate. So mm -hmm. that's, that's huge for, for us. What we do a lot like of hand that. to hand, a lot of uh, iterations can help to where you can discover the right thing to do on an ongoing basis. So you're not just guessing and you're not just thinking, Oh, maybe it'll work. And you know, so I like that, that you got to test it first and, and make sure that it is going to work. 
Um, okay, tell me some success stories of people that you've worked with in the past that you've helped. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And it might, I might not even help them. It might just be I'm just chatting with them about something. Uh, but sometimes it's really about simplification. So, for example, I remember with Levi's, like they had some pants that I'm like, jeans are like impossible to find to fit anybody. So right. when you find a pair that you like, that's gold. And then you go to reorder those things three years later. What would be, you then you look into the pants, literally there's a million things inside those pants printed, everything. There's marketing messaging, there's all these mm -hmm. numbers. And you call up or you go on the website, not one of those numbers helps you. Like a number, like a skew. I can't figure right. out what these pants are. They're like, is it a 512? Is it a 513? Is it a 510? I don't know. Like, I just want these pants again. And yeah. so just working with them, it's like, why wouldn't you just have, here's how you reorder inside the pants. Is that all this other garbage that you have in here? So a lot of it is like simplification like yeah. that. Uh, similar instance, work with Godiva chocolates. This is before the pandemic. Now that the pandemic's hit, it hyper accelerated everything five years. And so, now people are eating a lot more chocolate, right? Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's through the roof, right? Yeah. That's good. That's good. But like Hershey's understands this. And then work with Godiva, it was like, you don't have a relationship with your customer. Uh, and Hershey's has done a really good job of getting that relationship with their customer. Because yeah. before, it just yeah. sell through the retailers. So they didn't know necessarily who was buying it. And so Hershey's has done a really good job of transformation. Um, Meaning that if there's a wrapper, they might look at that wrapper and say, there's nothing on the inside of this wrapper. Like we need to get this so that it's easy for them to reorder that they're just going to have it like software as a service, a subscription based company. A subscription so, to chocolate. Yeah, yes, yeah no, it's a subscription <laughs> to chocolate or anything. It's just interesting. Yeah. All this stuff's moved forward five years. So what's beneficial is that to look at all other industries because all of them, everyone wants to think they're a special industry. Right. And there's about 10% that's special. There might be some rules and regulations that you need to be aware of. But to be honest, almost all industries look the same once you get like at a high level. Mm -hmm. People don't want to hear that. But if you look at it enough over time, then the benefit of that is you can see the fastest moving industries digitally, which is travel, it's entertainment, it's automotive. You know that's coming down to your industry. And you can see what works and doesn't work in those specific industries. Um, and a lot of it's, momentum. Well, I'll get into that in a second, but yeah. those are some keys to look for that's really helped the companies that we've engaged with to just one, you always go back to the core because social media will especially expose if you don't have your main messaging down. Like what do you stand for as a company? In a lot of startups too, I'll come in, I go, are you B2B or B2C? Yep. I go, well, and I'm not investing in you because you don't know what you are. And B, that's going to be very expensive. So as a startup, you eventually might morph into an Amazon that does everything. But when you start, you've got to identify specifically what's your market and crush it. So like hearsay social, Clara, she, she's awesome. She starts her company 10 years ago, almost to this day. If you look at, they identified specific market insurance because there's a lot of rules and regulation. And so they just hyper-focused on that, knowing their platform could be applied across many segments. Uh, she was able to do that. And so that's a good example also out there to just stay in your lane, right? And then grow from there. What do you see yourself doing 
after pandemic, after all of this is going down, I mean, assuming that, you know, we'll, we'll get through this, right? Uh, yeah. Tell me, what, what do you see in the next two to five years for you? Two to five years, yeah, we have a roadmap. So it's some of the stuff we'll get, some of it we won't get to. So, right. and we're all into edutainment. So it all kind of works together. And so yeah. the big laughable goal is to have like a Disney type impact. So if that's an amusement park, cool. If you walk your way back, that might start off with a miniature golf, like a STEM miniature golf. So kids can learn STEM while they're doing miniature golf. If you take that a step back, then you're looking at that book that I talked about, more of a science fiction, Harry Potter type book. Then we walk it back even further. We've got on the roadmap, hey, let's get out there with uh, a board game. And so we've got some exciting things that are, we take on one big project a year that's outside of our general scope. It's still an edutainment. Yeah. But the that kind of keeps me young as much as possible. Uh, other than that, we're continuing to just help people. That's through the writing and all the edutainment that we do, speaking on stage. So I hope we're back on stage. I love live events because I love people. I love the yeah. interaction. Um, yeah. It's funny, a lot of speakers have in their contracts that they'll only do a book signing for an hour because they just want to get out of there. They don't want to, and I'm like, I'll sign, I'll sit there for a couple hours, you know? Yeah. I want to find out what's on people's minds and I just love interacting with people. So I miss that a ton uh, yeah, right now. For sure. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get to meet again at some, you know, event that we go to and, and, and see in person <laughs> and speak again. That's awesome. What are you most proud of that you've accomplished? Two daughters, you know, just every day I look at the mug they gave me, which is still sticky because I use nail polish to write the words on it, but it's like world's greatest dad. So it's always about trying to live up to that. Uh, That's helped me a lot. And hopefully it helps out your listeners is I go through, because people are like, how do you stay motivated all the time? I go, well, I don't because I have those on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest. I go to twos throughout the day sometimes, but I just got to pause and then realize how fortunate I am. And a lot of that for listeners out there, it might be your kids, it might be your family, it might be your friends. And so the research shows out there that we dug into that if you have an attitude of gratitude, that's what you always need to get back to. So that's, I don't let myself stay in that two state that long. And that's kind of my quote unquote trick. And it's not a new trick. That data has been out there. There's a new trick for me that I learned through the course of the project, but that's the thing that keeps me motivated all the time is just at the end of the day, like how many people are you going to impact? And it always starts with the people closest to you. It starts with yourself. Actually, you got to have self-love and then a lot of people don't realize that it sounds weird to say self-love, but you've got to be right first and then you can help impact other people. And so and impact the people closest to you. And then it kind of goes out from there. Ah, that's great. I love it. I'm looking forward to reading the book. I can't wait. No, <laughs> and, thanks, and having yeah. you, I'll have you autograph it, you know, even though I can't do it in person. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right. Well, I think um, I don't have any other questions for you, but did you have any other last words of wisdom that you wanted to share with the marketing expedition community? Just be flossom, you know? It's not about being perfect. It's about being perfectly flawed that you don't even like a person that's close to being perfect. So it's about stepping into yourself, warts and all, stepping into your story. And a lot of that has to do with failing fast, failing forward, failing better, meaning that practice doesn't make perfect. That's a big misnomer that we all grew up on, that practice makes perfect, completely, perfectly false, is that proper practice leads to progress. 
And so don't wait. The best time to start your business or to start your initiative or to start your weight loss program or start getting better shape, whatever it is you want to do was yesterday. But the second best time is now. And so understand you're not going to get it right. Don't take on all these things. Like don't boil the ocean. It's a cliche because cliches are true. Don't (laughs) boil the ocean. You know, take the elephant one bite at a time. And a lot of that's giving yourself a break. Be flossome. You're not perfect. Neither am I. And so just embrace being flossome as much as possible each and every day. Flossom. I love that. Okay. I'm going to be flossom today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> how do people get a hold of you? How do they work with you? How do they um, buy your book? All the good stuff. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, anything we do to help, we're here to have fun, help people. We're here to hopefully reach 7 billion people, empower people so that they can inspire others to do the same. But I'm just Equal Man. So equalman.com, type in Equal Man. The, the book's called The Focus Project. And if you type in Equal Man, you'll see the podcast, Super You. You see all the stuff. If you just Equal Man, it's easy to remember. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Eric. I really appreciate you. And for our listeners, be sure to subscribe to the Marketing Expedition podcast and channel or go to themarketingexpedition.com and become a member of our community. And uh, until next time, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition podcast. Find more online at peppershock.com. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.